Well, good morning, Genesis. My name is Kyle. I serve as one of the pastors here. And in light of Valentine's Day, I need to tell you a love story. I need to tell you about when I fell in love in college. And this is not about Lindsay. In college, I fell in love with a great gal. Her name was Taco Bell. Taco Bell was a great girlfriend. And here's why. Taco Bell has great hours. Always available to hang out kind of on my schedule. Uh, Taco Bell, she was super cheap, right? Didn't have to spend a lot. Still had a good time. And think about Taco Bell, too, is overall she just had kind of low standards. Right, so as a college guy, it was just a great girl to have. And so oftentimes, driving back to my apartment from campus, I would swing through the Taco Bell drive-through, and I would buy myself one of these. Warm tortilla. Uh, a meat-flavored substance, <laughs> uh, creamy cheese whiz type thing going on. And I thought this was where it's at. This burrito is so good. If you need fast food Mexican, you go on a Taco Bell run. And so I was happy with Taco Bell. But then something happened in this love story. A friend invited me to a restaurant one day. He said, bro, new place opened up down from camp. Let's go check it out. And I said, okay, what's it called? called Chipotle. Chipotle? He's like, yeah, it's basically fast food Mexican. And I thought, man, I've had fast food burritos before. I got my gal Taco Bell and we're okay. He said, dude, you've never tried a burrito like this before. So I said, okay, let's go here to go. He said, we go. And I ordered this. <laughs> this. This is a fast food burrito. You got steak, fresh guacamole, pico de gallo, all these salsas and corn and cheese. This is where it's at. If you want a burrito, go hit up Chipotle. And so from that point forward, uh, unfortunately for Taco Bell and I, it didn't work out. But if I ever need fast food, Mexican even now, I know where I'm going. I'm going to Chipotle. Why do I tell you that? Today we're talking about marriage. And as I look at the holistic state of marriage around us, it seems like so many of us are settling for Taco Bell. And we have no idea that Chipotle exists. Like we're all kind of sitting in marriage and it's okay. Like it's kind of boring, kind of bland. It's, it's getting the job done. But we have no idea that this is out here. Because if you just think about the idea of biblical marriage, right? The whole idea of biblical marriage is kind of disintegrating. Think about culture for a second and how a culture makes marriage look. Think of any TV show, sitcom, what's marriage like? Dad's a moron, mom's unhappy. Any kind of drama show, everyone's sleeping with everybody. I read this week there's 100 divorces every hour in the United States. That's like big cultural things. Dive down into Christian trends and our ideas of biblical marriage, they're not much better. I mean, who, in, who here among us hasn't felt the pains of divorce? Like, how much does that hurt to go through? Maybe that's why more Christians than ever before are choosing to cohabitate before marriage or instead of marriage. And we get this beautiful picture of what biblical marriage looks like, and yet why is it that more Christians than ever before are in favor of redefining marriage altogether? 
So it's hard to sit here this morning and be overly optimistic about the state of marriage. And the question is why? Well, I think it's because we've been camped out at a Taco Bell parking lot for so long that we forgot that there's something better. And we don't even know what it tastes like. And so today my one goal is simply this. I want to tell us about Chipotle. If you're here today and you are single, if you're dating, if you're wanting to be dating, if you're engaged, if you're wanting to be engaged, if you're here and one day you want to be married, don't zone out. Like this marriage is for you. Because the last thing I want is for you to end up at Taco Bell. And if you're here today and you are married, and maybe you've been married for many years, maybe it's only been a few months, let's just ask ourselves the honest question, is this marriage what God wants for us? Because typically we don't think of marriage in that question. Typically, if you talk about marriage with anybody, you talk mechanics of marriage, how to communicate, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with in-laws, how to live out marital roles. And like, it's all these good things, but that's mechanics of marriage. Today, I want to talk about mission of marriage. Because we're in this series called Just For Now. And it's the idea that, at best, we have 80 years here. And if in those 80 years, God entrusts you with marriage, we need to be clear on one thing. The mission of your marriage cannot be your marriage. Your marriage does not exist to make it about itself. Right? A marriage that's just about uh, sharing a calendar, sharing kids, sharing a house, being roommates. It's just about medicating loneliness. It's just about having someone to be with. Like, ugh, that's a boring, bland Taco Bell burrito. Right? God has something so much more for us in marriage. And so the mission of your marriage cannot be your marriage. And the reason I say that is because God gave mission before God gave marriage. The first marriage we ever have is in Genesis 2, and God creates Adam. And God creates Adam, he gives him mission. Work and keep the garden. So Adam's accomplishing mission. God looks down at Adam and goes, Ho! This cat should not be alone. He needs some help. And so then he creates Eve, and you have marriage. So mission comes first, and then you get marriage. And if you mess that order up, you're going to fall so short of what God has designed for us in marriage. And so here's the question today that you and your spouse can think through. What is the mission of your marriage? Or maybe think of it through a different lens. If you were to look at your marriage and kind of how you do things day to day, what would you conclude the mission of your marriage is? How would you answer that? Now, if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians 7. We just want to hang out with one verse. Because in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is talking about the mechanics of marriage. He's talking about principles of singleness. And then he'll say something that flies in the face of what any marriage counselor will ever tell you. Because that's what the Bible tells us. Verse 29, Paul's writing. He says, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, live, uh, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Let me read that one more time. 
from now on, let those who have wives, or wives, let those who have husbands, live as though they had none. Why? Verse 31, for the present form of this world is passing away. When's the last marriage book you ever read where the first chapter was, if you're married, pretend like you're not. How, how can Paul say that? Well, here's the difference between Taco Bell and Chipotle. Here's the secret ingredient Chipotle has. Eternity. Eternity is what changes everything about living here just for now. Because if eternity isn't real, I would absolutely tell you, make marriage about your marriage. Make it all about you and pleasure and happiness and fun. In fact, I would probably say, don't get married. If eternity's not real, do whatever makes you most happy. It's going to be great. Live it up. You got 80 years, then it's gone. But if eternity's real, if heaven's a real place that people go to, if hell is a real place that people go to, your just for now should be lived in light of eternity. As Paul's saying, he says, if you're married, act as if you're not, because if you're married, live as though you know eternity is coming. Because that's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, right? He says, the appointed time has grown very short. The world is passing away. Jesus Christ is coming back. We're all sitting on the precipice of forever. So he says, don't you dare make your marriage about your marriage. You have to live with mission. Why? Because mission came first. What's the mission that Christ gave us? We talked about last week in Matthew 28. Right? Jesus says, spread the gospel, make disciples. That's the mission. After that, you might get marriage, but marriage can't divert from spread the gospel, make disciples. Why is that the mission? Because eternity is real. Because we're living in light of that. So the mission of your marriage can't be your marriage. The mission of your marriage is how can we best spread the gospel? How can we best make disciples? Or maybe to say it a little more uh, cleanly, your marriage is meant for God's mission. Your marriage is meant for God's mission. It just forces us to really ask this question. How do we make our marriages about God's mission? That sounds like a great preacher talk, idealistic statement. But how do you actually make marriage about God's mission? Well, I want to share with you two things uh, that the Lord has graciously taught Lindsay and I. And I know some of you are here sitting thinking, this guy is out of his mind. He has been married for five and a half years. He's 28 years old. What can he tell us about marriage? He's just a little puppy. What does he know? Uh, I will concede, I have only been married five and a half years, and I'm only 28. But know this, like I'm shooting for 60. Right? I'm going for 60 years of God-honoring, gospel-centered, mission-minded marriage. And I know that I'm only going to get there if I can live out what the Lord's been teaching us in these early years. So take this as nothing more than a humble guy's plea of how mission and marriage collide. All right? It's the first thing I've learned. 
make marriage about holiness, not about happiness. Your marriage is meant for holiness, not happiness. Even though everything just for now that culture will tell you is make it about happiness. Happy spouse, happy finances, happy sex life, happy vacations, happy home, happy all these things. And it's not that those aren't good things, but that's not the point of your marriage. The point is holiness. And the reason is because happiness, it's like this ever-moving target. You can never find happiness. Right? Why are the people who are so focused on happiness the least happy people? Because you can never actually, it's, it's, a, it's like this relative thing that changes all the time. If you want your marriage to line up with God's mission, make your marriage about holiness, not about happiness. Before Lindsay and I got married, uh, the guy who was mentoring me, he's actually the guy who married us, uh, he asked me this question. He said, Kyle, what do you think the role of a godly husband is? And, and I don't remember exactly what I answered him with, but I remember what he challenged me with because it forever shapes how I think of marriage. He says, Kyle, your role... You get up, your mission is to prepare Lindsay to stand before Jesus one day. He said, you wake up, and this is the mission, that one day Lindsay is going to stand before the throne, and you want nothing more than to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he told me that, and I'm like, what? how can I do that? But he's just telling me what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Right? Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, that he might make her holy. In the same way, husbands, love your wives in such a way that you promote her holiness, that you prepare her to stand before the Lord. And so I don't do it perfectly, I'm not all that concerned with my happiness. I'm really concerned with Lindsay's holiness. And Lindsay doesn't do it perfectly, better than me, but she's not all that concerned with her happiness. She's concerned with my holiness. How does marriage meet mission? Make it about holiness, not about happiness. And so we have not mastered this by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I would say, it took us at least two years to find any sort of rhythm. But this is what we're discovering. Lindsay and I, our marriage is totally different when we make regular prayer together as a rhythm. When Lindsay and I just sit and we pray for each other, pray over one another, we, we reach a level of intimacy that is so much deeper than any other form of intimacy that marriage offers. Because in prayer, you're not going after pleasure. You're going after holiness. Do you know what question has changed the landscape of our marriage? Hey, babe, what's the Lord teaching you lately? Like, that is not a sophisticated question. That is as basic as it gets. But it forces you to go after holiness in that question. I, I recommend every young couple, when you get married, first purchase, buy a dog. Because dogs need walks. And walks force you to communicate. And it's something that we learned. And so if you're ever driving through Beverly, unless it's raining, Lindsay and I are probably walking our dog. And on that walk, what's the Lord doing in you, babe? How can I come alongside that? 
go after holiness. Part of our rhythms are uh, twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall, we do a week-long fast. And for, for one week, twice a year, we set aside food, we set aside sex, and we say, we're just going after Christ together. We're going after holiness together. When's the last time you read a marriage book with your spouse? It's like the easiest thing ever, guys. And it grounds you. It refocuses you. It's not about happiness. That's about holiness. And, and Lindsay promotes my holiness in one of the most basic ways we can do this. She promotes my holiness in the media we consume. I'm about to say something, and I know everyone's going to disagree with me. I don't care. I'm a prophet here. Save the email. I'm not going to read it. Guys, particularly, watching TV shows and movies with graphic nudity and graphic explicit sexual content, that does not promote your holiness. That does not honor your wife. The fact that you can sit there with her next to you and watch some of the most repulsive things that media has to offer, and you don't care. Grow up. This is about holiness. And so it doesn't matter what Lindsay wants to watch. She'll let me scroll through the content review. And I'm like, babe, I'm not going to love Jesus more after watching that. Or babe, that's not going to make me honor uh, our sexual fidelity. Babe, I'm not going to look at you in and be able to just love the union that God's given us if we watch that. She just delights to say, okay, turn on Jeopardy. I can clear a board like no one's business. We're going after holiness together. It's not about happiness. And here's the thing. Go after happiness, you're not going to get either. You go after holiness, you end up with both. That's God's design in marriage. That's how you get to mission. And so if I could say just one thing uh, to those of us who are non-married here today. If you're thinking about relationship, if you're thinking about marriage, if your conversations are not around this idea of holiness, you are not ready. Right? Straight up, you're not ready. Guys, if you don't give a rip about your holiness, don't get married. If, if you look at your life and there's next to zero time spent in God's word, next to zero time spent in prayer, if you don't care what you're consuming for media, if you're watching porn, if you're already going sexually too far with your girl, don't get married. Because here's what I can promise you. You don't care about your holiness now, you'll never care about hers and you have to be out of your mind if you think that the Heavenly Father will entrust you with one of his daughters if you don't want to live like the Heavenly Father. Go after holiness now. If you're here, if you're a woman and you're thinking about all these different things, go after holiness now. Right? It's the same call for you. Don't sit around, don't wait. Go after holiness now. Now, in my experience, it does seem to me that it takes men a little bit longer to catch up in this area. And so I can also promise you, the Lord's not calling you to settle. And guys, the same thing goes for you. The Lord's not calling for you to settle either. Oh, but bro, she's so hot. They make me so happy. 
It's so much fun. Okay, great. It's not about happiness. It's about holiness. In holiness, you see God's mission. Right now, if you looked at your marriage, would you say you guys are about happiness or about holiness? And you might be thinking here saying, oh, dude, we're about happiness, and it tastes pretty good. Well, okay, but that's because you haven't had Chipotle yet. Right? Make it about holiness. Second thing I uh, would say that I've learned. Seek the kingdom together. Uh, it's funny to me that uh, we've been talking about kingdom so much the last month and a half here at Genesis, and now I'm uh, talking about marriage because in kind of an only God way. This is the first... Uh, decoration knickknack that Lindsay and I ever made when we got married. We were living in like the dumpiest, crappiest apartment in the roughest part of town, and we hung this on our door. Matthew six thirty-three. Kyle, Lindsay, seek first the kingdom in his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Your marriage meets God's mission when you seek the kingdom together. Being married doesn't exempt you from mission. Even though we typically feel that and see that. Because so much of the, what happens is the first year about marriage is focused on your marriage. Figure that out. And then eventually you'll have a kid and then uh, make it about your little family. Make sure you figure that dynamic out. And then you'll have a couple more kids and then you figure out a career, you figure out a uh, location to live and all of a sudden years have gone by You've had all these distractions, which don't get me wrong, good distractions that are from the Lord, they're gifts. But when you make them distractions, years go by, you've done nothing to help advance the kingdom together. Because you've made the mission about your marriage. You've made the mission about your family. But marriage on mission is about seeking God's kingdom together. Why? Because the eternity factor, it's real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And Christ said, Kyle, go make disciples. Go spread the gospel. And so I'm going after that. And Lindsay's, okay, I see gospel. I see disciples. I'm going after that. Well, goodness, let's just link arms, babe, get married. We'll do it together. That's marriage, right? Seek the kingdom together. Uh, first year, Lindsay and I got married. Uh, we're trying to figure it out. We got married when we were like 21, so not a great idea. Um, she's in school. I'm painting walls, and I felt this call to ministry. I think the Lord has something for us, and so in an unbelievable way, he opened up the door to do uh, school out here for basically free, and Lindsay, I think the Lord might want, want us in New England to Boston. And at this time, uh, her mom had just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. No money, no plan, no prospects, no nothing. And all conventional wisdom would say, stay put. Figure yourselves out. And I remember sitting with Lynn's, crying. Uh, saying, Lord, uh, Lindsay, I think the Lord has something for us in Boston. I think he's inviting us into something. And because Lindsay is an incredible wife, she said, okay. 
And so we packed up and we cried the whole way as we drove to Boston. And since then, it's been five years. And we've seen the Lord bless our marriage a thousandfold. Seek the kingdom together. And I know some of you are sitting here thinking, dude, you're making marriage so idealistic. Marriage doesn't actually look that way. We need mechanics. Listen to the verse. Seek the kingdom first, and all things are added to you. Right? Mechanics fall into place when you're seeking the kingdom together. Because if you make your marriage about your marriage, there's really only two possibilities for you. First one, which is about 1% of people, you end up happy, but you're totally worthless. Right? Like, we're happy that you're happy. But kingdom's not going forth, gospel's not being preached, disciples aren't being made, and so you're just for now season. That's not being lived in light of eternity. It doesn't really matter. The more likely possibility, which is about 95%, angry, bitter, resentful, frustrated, looking for a way out. Because you're looking at your spouse to be something your spouse was never meant to be. You're looking for mission in the context of marriage. Every marriage problem I've ever heard about is not a marriage problem. It's a mission problem. Our marriage is meant for God's mission. How do we do that? Make it about holiness and seek the kingdom together. So now if you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, that sounds great. I love that. I want holiness. I want uh, kingdom. I want that Chipotle burrito. How do we get there? Okay, this is what I would say. Men, this will always start with you. So tonight... Here's, what, here's my game plan. This is, this is a freebie. Take this one home. Claim it as your own. When you put your kids down to sleep, go into the living room with your wife, turn off the TV, sit on the couch, grab her hand, pray for her. Pray for your marriage. And know this. It's going to be wicked awkward. It's okay. The Lord will honor it. Tomorrow, before your kids go off, your family goes and does its thing. Read a psalm over your family. It takes like a minute. And at first, it's going to be awkward. The Lord will honor it. Guys, ask your wife to serve with you. Serve in the cafe. Serve in Genesis Kids. Hang out at the sanctuary doors. Step out of your comfort zone. Join a group. And at first, it will be awkward. And the Lord will honor it. But guys, I'm telling you, your wife is longing for you to lead in this regard. We can do this. I know we can do this. God has set the the, the bar for marriage so high, but he's put his spirit in you that you can clear it no problem. You can do this, guys. I know you can. Wives, what can you do? Come alongside, love, support, serve, encourage your husband.
The scariest thing about leading the spiritual dynamics of a relationship is turning around to see if anyone's following. Because here's what your husband doesn't need today. Well, well, well. What'd you think of that sermon? It's not helpful. We're doing it together. Holiness together, kingdom together. As much as he needs to lead, he needs you to help him lead. To find ways to enter in. And if he says, babe, I want to pray for you, and it sounds so foolish, now you, you, you encourage him in that. Thanks, babe, I love that. If you're sitting here today and uh, you're a wife and you're thinking, ah, Kyle, I want holiness so bad, I want kingdom first in our marriage so bad, but my wife uh, or my husband is so disinterested. He could care less about this. He's been snoozing this whole time. Then what do I do? First uh, Peter 3 talks about winning over your unbelieving or spiritually disinterested husband by the way you live. You are the closest thing that he has to seeing Jesus. And so here's what I've noticed about guys. When they feel like they stink at something, they'll give up. Your husband's not leading, not because he thinks he's too good for Jesus. More likely he's not leading because he thinks he's not good enough for Jesus. Don't nag. Don't call him up. But get underneath. Show him grace and patience and steadfast love. And ask him to pray. And when he prays, oh baby, I love it when you pray so much. Ask him to drive you to church. And on the way to church, ooh, there's nothing more sexy to me than a man who drives to church. <laughs> and if you see any evidence of effort on his part, encourage, encourage, encourage. It's the, baby, I don't think you would have done that a year ago. The Lord is changing you. You are the closest thing he has to seeing Christ. That's a hard ministry. But you're in the Lord's grip. You can do this too. I've painted pitch, uh, marriage to be an incredibly bright picture, and I know that it seems like, my goodness, is this possible? I want to invite up my friends uh, Weberton and Priscilla to a warm round of applause. Because as lofty as um, marriage is, they're living it out every day. This couple does it day in and day out. I think one of the freshest examples uh, for us is um, six months ago when we had our baby, they were at our house every other day with more and more food. And they just showed up, knocking on the door. And I don't know if you ever had Brazilian food, but it kicks Chipotle's butt. And so they're just going after it. And uh, they're both uh, a son and a daughter of pastors. And so they came into marriage with a lot of expectations. Uh, but they have just been on mission together in marriage. And so I just want to get insight from them that they could encourage us with. So uh, Priscilla, what does it look like for marriage to be on mission? Um, so first of all, we are learning the process. We can never think that we arrived mm -hmm. anywhere. But uh, with... 
all the theory or all the knowledge we have growing up, seeing our parents, serving in the church, we had a pretty clear expectation of what marriage should look like. But instead of thinking uh, of holiness of each other, we were thinking of happiness of each other. So it was this burden and very heavy yoke of making each other's happy. That brought us to a situation of almost hitting the divorce line because we are so, I was always hoping whether to do something or would say something and vice versa. So right at that moment, the Lord so graciously show up to our lives. Um, I was doing a course here called um, How to Walk with God. Waverton was going through redemption groups. And one day at home, we fell in our knees and we invited God to be the center mm. of our marriage. Mm. And by doing that, we start praying together, um, reading the Bible together, reading books together, talking about it. And then we intentionally start serving together. Mm. I would be at the welcome desk and he would stay there with me. And by doing these small things, we start seeing that putting God in the center of our relationship and trying to honor God before worrying about each other's happiness, um, the Lord would have been helping us so far. And mm. he shows up for every struggle, mm. every storm that hits the door, we then are able to come and say how the Lord help us to go through that. And that has become stories of encouragement for people around us. Mm, that's good. Weberton, what would you say the most joyful part of seeking the kingdom together is? It's been the grow together. How God used every single moment of our life to make we grow together. Every battle, every victory is opportunity for him to make we grow with intimacy relationship with the Lord. Example, when a woman is pregnant, if for 40 weeks the body's changed, sometimes she's sick, she has to go to the doctor several times, for you and I have opportunity to walk at home one day and hear the little one scream and say, Mom, Mom, Daddy's at home. You know, <laughs> when they are in a hospital for several hours on the labor day and you walk inside the room, she look and you like... And you're like, that's okay, my love. <laughs> that's okay. I am your husband, remember? We married. <coughs> it's okay. Every single moment, the Lord want to use to make we grow together. Mm. When the doctor, for the first time, put the little one on the mama's arm, arms, and the baby stopped crying because they recognized the mama's voice. The mama said, that's okay, honey. Mommy's over here. And you realize exactly the same way the Lord want to do with us. When you run to the Lord's arms, he hugging us and say, that's okay, son. Daddy's over here. Everything's going to be fine. Mm. Uh, Weverton, just stay on you for a moment. Uh, what advice would you give uh, to marriages right now that feel stuck? Bring Jesus to your relationship. When you look in the Bible, when Jesus transformed the water and wine, that couple, they invite Jesus to be present on that special day. Jesus was that. They don't have Apple, space, time. Jesus was to be that. He needs to be that. And you're going to see, you're going to walk one day at home, and your wife is going to come and going to give you a hug, look in your eyes and say, I'm proud of you, honey. And you're going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do that. <laughs> you're going to see your husband's like iceberg, uh, you know, cold. Come at home on Mondays with a beautiful flowers and say, I'm thinking about you. 
my cheesecake, my tamahag ribeye, <laughs> you know? And you're going to understand. You want to see your marriage change? Taco Bell to a Chipotle. Bring Jesus. Invite Jesus mm. every day, every moment on our life. Mm, that's good. Uh, Priscilla, what advice would you give to uh, any single person here who's thinking about uh, relationship, engagement, marriage, kind of moving towards that end? Um, the very first thing is to see what is the, the, that person's priority. Mm. If you're starting already to like someone and dating someone, and that person's priority is not the mission of bringing other people closer to God, then I would say, scratch the list, mm. next one. <laughs> because <laughs> um, to look for the Lord and to put your heart and everything in God's hands, it's going to make the difficult times uh, not be this huge thing that we need to break apart. You're going to know where to look for help. You're going to know where to go for counseling. If when you're single, your priority is the Bible, it's praying. So when Weberton and I met, uh, we started talking over the phone a lot because we live distant. We, we couldn't be seeing each other every day. And one night I was like, can we pray together? At that moment, my hopes was just like, let's pray together because in that moment I was going through something and I wanted him to pray over me. Years later on our marriage, he said to me one day, that was a decisive moment for me to understand that you were the one because you asked me to pray with you. So things like these are the things we should be looking for. Not so much about how much money he's making, what kind of house he's going to be able to buy me, or if she knows how to cook. I did they know how to cook. <laughs> but um, the, the, the important thing here is our mission as as individuals, will become stronger uh, when you get married. Mm. If you are able to only accomplish so much in the kingdom when you're single, the whole idea is now that you do much more with that one person that you are getting married to. Right. That's so good. Guys, just thank Priscilla and Weberton for just being open and honest with us.